Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 219 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Well, what to do with all the honey that's left in buckets and extractors? Well, why not have a bash at making mead? I've just done that and took the opportunity to add some very fragrant elderflowers into the mix. short and sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, welcome back to another week of beekeeping chat and updates from me and my bees as we speed towards probably the most important two or three weeks in my beekeeping career to date. To say I'm feeling a little nervous is something of an understatement and it looks like the weather gods have decided not to bless us with any significant amount of rainfall to help increase the amount of nectar flowing from this summer's plants. So I'm guessing not many of you actually went out last week for that midnight naked rain dance as I requested. I guess I'll just have to try again myself tonight. Rainfall is now urgently required, not just for nectar but for healthy plants everywhere. Healthy plants mean food for all of our pollinators, not just honeybees. That said, and with no scientific evidence to back this up, I'm going to repeat what I mentioned to good friends and fellow beekeepers this week, Terry and Lorraine. We were having a Beekeeping Association core committee meeting, and I said I thought that plants in drought conditions probably sacrifice general plant growth in order to be able to produce nectar and pollen so that they can at least reproduce, even at the cost to the parent plant. It seems reasonable that in poor conditions a plant would do all it can to reproduce, even if it means the plant doesn't grow as tall or as large as it normally would. Reproduction is everything, particularly for annual plants such as borage, so maybe it will still deliver up a decent amount of nectar that will become my summer honey crop. I'm not sure if that sounds a little desperate or not, but anyway, we'll wait to see. The forecast for the next fortnight is looking dry. A heat wave next week is forecast with temperatures expected to top possibly 30 degrees Celsius. It may trigger some heavy thunderstorms or isolated showers, but there's no gentle continuous rainfall anywhere in the near future. It has led to some dusty old trips across farm tracks this last week and we finally completed the last trip with bees going to the pumpkins and that was around 30 colonies on a borrowed trailer. Uh, More of that in a moment. But we had no dramas once more. Seems we're getting pretty good at loading and unloading hives now. I may have mentioned this before but I bought some 50mm wide 5 tonne straps to use instead of the narrow straps we've always used previously. They give me so much more confidence that the load is going to be held securely that I'm not now constantly looking around in my mirrors as we go over some of the larger bumps in the road from Norwich to the Pumpkins. Now about that borrowed trailer. 
I learned this week that one of the most important parts of the trailer that needs care and attention are the tyres. We got a puncture. It was actually the day before taking the bees to the pumpkins, uh, and more of that in a moment. We shot a video and got ourselves all ready to head off after inspecting at the borage when Steph spotted the flat tyre. Not to worry, we had a pump to get it inflated once more and a can of something called tyre weld to spray inside the tyre to seal the leak. I was really impressed with the foam tyre weld stuff. I've never used it before, but it seemed to do a really good job. Firstly, to say the fitting needs to be screwed tightly into the tyre valve, otherwise the foam sealant just spurts out of the connector. That was my first fail of the day. Once refitted tightly, though, it soon showed us where the leak was, as there was a miniature eruption from the hole in the tyre of the foam spurting out. Cleverly, the foam canister also inflates the tyre, so we were able to quickly get moving again and drive safely back to Norwich. And the instructions on the can say that you have to drive in order to seal that puncture. The trouble for me was my old trailer had some odd-sized tyres, and of course, nobody stocked them anywhere. What you need in this kind of situation is someone to understand the urgency and offer up a solution. Step up Mike and the team at Norfolk Trailers here in Norwich. Not only did they do their best to try to resolve the challenge, but when we discovered that they couldn't help, they suggested other suppliers who might help. And finally, when it was obvious we weren't going to get it sorted in time to move the bees, Mike offered up a spare trailer that he had in stock that we could borrow for a couple of days. Now that's the very best customer service. There was no pushy sales pitch, no angle to try to make a quick buck out of my tricky situation, just a desire to help us out of an immediate dilemma. My thanks to them and we'll be going nowhere else when we want to get a new trailer. The borrowed trailer worked out nicely and combined with my wide straps delivered our hive safely and on time. Time then to wait for the nectar to flow and the supers to fill with any luck. In an attempt to distract myself from the nectar flows, I took to cleaning up the honey room and washing out a few buckets ready for the summer extraction. Now, us beekeepers don't like to waste anything, do we? And I was struck by the fact that I hadn't made any mead this year. Or had I? I couldn't remember. But discovered I had some empty fermenting bins that were just screaming out to be filled. Now, this coincided with the last of the elder tree's flowering season. I was a little late, and most of the flowers had already gone over, but I managed to grab enough flower heads to get five gallons of mead made up. It smelt fantastic, if you like that heady floral fragrance. I'm no mead expert, as as you all know, but I do like to give it a try, and there are a few standard rules to follow to make sure the effort doesn't end in disaster. Mainly, it's all about cleanliness. Keep everything washed clean and sterilised, and that's 90% of the job done. My Mead Bible is written by Harry Riches. I think I've mentioned it before, and I'll add a link to the podcast notes for you. This batch of mead has used the early season oilseed rape honey washings, to which I added several more kilos of honey. It always takes more honey than you think, so if you do make some mead... Stick to one gallon and you won't have to use too much of your precious harvest. It now has to sit and do its thing. I used 
Mangrove Jacks Mead Yeast M05. It's worked well previously for us and it won't break the bank. So again, I'll stick a link in the podcast notes for you. Thinking now about the summer flow, we spent some time this past week checking supers to see if any were being worked by the stronger colonies. I've changed my inspection routine dramatically. Gone is the rigid weekly inspection routine, checking each frame of brood, replaced instead with a fortnightly check, and in some trial colonies, no checks at all. The reason for this is that they have new queens. They're splits from the larger colonies set up during May, and checked for a few weeks to see that the new queen is laying okay, and the colony has settled down into a growing colony ready for the summer flow. The hope and expectation is that with a new queen there will be much less of a desire or drive to swarm. More room for a growing colony, again reducing the need or desire to swarm, and with the days growing shorter, thoughts of the beekeeper and hopefully the bees is that of preparation for the autumn and winter ahead, not a last-ditch effort to reproduce. That's the bees, not the beekeeper, of course. Anyway, the supers were mostly empty. A few bees milling around in some, but for the most part, not many bees at all. That is apart from the very busiest of colonies. These had bees working hard in the supers, and I anticipate the other colonies getting started really soon. They need to. Lucky we have so many drawn supers, so that the bees are not starting from scratch this year. My thoughts are now turning towards next year. Planning is everything in beekeeping, especially if, like me, you're looking to grow and develop your business. It seems a long way off, I know, but yet just in a few weeks' time, we'll be done with this season's honey crop and thinking about treatments and feeding for the winter. My plans are developing and changing all the time. The decision to move completely to Langstroth hives is a good one, I think. It's probably long overdue, to be honest, and it will allow me to stop messing around with having the wrong size kit for the job in hand. In order to do this, I'm selling the national and commercial hives complete with bees, so that's going to reduce the number of colonies we'll have heading into the winter. And so this is where we need to look at splits and increase Once again, we'll be bringing in queens from our preferred suppliers, mainly because thus far they seem to be performing really well. The jury is still out on honey production, but at the moment things are looking pretty good. Ask me again in three weeks' time, I guess. The plan, as it stands, is to make use of all of the available Technoset boxes, some of which have custom split boards designed specifically to use the brood box as a twin nuke setup. This currently gives me something like 60-ish potential splits. Let me explain how I'll set things out with this process. 30 colonies, that's 30 healthy, strong colonies, will have six frames of brood and food removed and split into the twin nuke setup. Each side will be given three frames of food and brood with two frames of foundation. These will be left to become hopelessly queenless before having a new queen introduced. The remaining four frames with the original queen will be set up in a five-frame nuke themselves, getting an additional frame of foundation. These nukes will then get treatments, a good feed, and with luck should be set up ready to go through the winter. I'm also looking at setting up several commercial colonies 
to be given the Shook Swarm treatment into both 14x12 and Langstroth boxes. 14x12 boxes to be able to provide some nukes for one of our regular customers and Langstroth to continue to clear away anything that isn't Langstroth. The process will be shaking the frames into the new boxes and any frames with brood will be amalgamated with another colony to save that brood and produce a larger colony, removing as many frames of dark, grotty old comb so they can be cleaned out and the hives ready for sale as complete hives for anyone wanting commercials. If it weren't for the honeypore hives, I would definitely stick with the commercial hives. I like that they're able to give such a large brood area, enough for most colonies, and don't disappear into the hive as deep as the 14 by 12s. As with most things in beekeeping, it's a really personal choice, but it's a hive that I like. Finally, as I mentioned earlier, it's looking like this coming week is going to be very warm indeed. Heatwave conditions for us Brits. A couple of things to say here. Don't be alarmed if you see bees sitting on the outside of the hive in a large clump, almost looking like they're going to swarm. It's called bearding, and the bees will do this in order to reduce the congestion within the hive and allow air to circulate through the hive to keep the temperature under control. They'll soon head back in once the temperature starts to fall back again. More concerning is beekeepers getting caught out in the midday sun and getting heat stroke, especially if you have to drive to your apiary. I've inspected hives early in the morning and late into the evening, avoiding the intense heat of the middle part of the day. It won't worry the bees and you'll keep yourself protected. The other thing to remember is to keep well hydrated. Take plenty of water to drink. It's amazing how quickly you dehydrate when you're shut up in a tight bee suit. Take plenty and drink plenty. If you start to feel a little lightheaded or faint, stop beekeeping, get into the shade and cool down using your water on a towel wrapped around your neck. The bees will wait and your health is far more important. I'm sure you're all far more sensible than me and I'm worrying over nothing, but do stay safe, people. Well, that's it for this week. Coaching plus Zoom meeting tonight at 7 o'clock. I'm looking forward to that. You can join in any time you want. Just head over to my Patreon page for details. For my latest videos, podcast, and with more updates, tips, and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Yeah.